You're listening to the Beastly Gentleman Podcast, where we talk fitness, dating, and self-improvement. If you're looking to get jacked, get girls, and take your life to the next level, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts, David De Los Moranis of How To Beast and Dave Parada of Postgrad Casanova. It's time to get beastly. Oh, and one more thing before we get into the show. As a way of saying thank you, we're offering a couple free downloads exclusive to our podcast listeners. Just head over to beastlygentleman.com to grab your downloads now. All right, guys, welcome to the Beastly Gentleman podcast. Our guest today is Noam Lightstone. Noam is a patented inventor, digital nomad, author, and engineer. He's the founder of Lightway of Thinking, a resource aimed at destroying anxiety and depression through self-improvement. And that's what we're going to talk about today. He's currently working on turning his best-selling book, Mastery of the Mind, into an online course to give more guidance to anyone who needs help overcoming mental stumbling blocks like anxiety, procrastination, and fear. What's going on, Noam? It's good to finally have you on the show. Yeah, man, it's good to be here. I'm really excited. Thanks for having me on. Cool, man. So just to get started, was there a specific point in your life when you felt like you were just kind of pussying out and not living a life that was meaningful to you? Um, You know, my huge transformation started when I think I was around 23, 24, and I found kind of the dating advice, men's dating arena, kind of pickup community. And uh, I thought that it was kind of just women I was pussying out with, but it ended up being just really not living the life I thought I wanted to. So I was kind of following the set path, kind of doing what I thought would make me kind of a good person, you know, getting a job and this and this and so on. And then through pickup, it kind of led to all the other types of self-improvement. So like meditation, going to the gym, location-independent entrepreneurship. And I think probably midway through 24 25 it just it suddenly hit me and then just all these changes started happening really fast where i just you know picked up my life and moved kind of overseas and uh i started getting much better with women and i started you know becoming more assertive and confident and just a much happier person overall nice yeah it's very similar story to mine i guess i had two questions come to mind first you you see this a few years ago when you were 23 24 How, how old are you now 27, just turned 27. Cool, so it just took a few years. Yeah, it was a yeah, very similar path to me. And second, what were the biggest realizations, I guess, that you kind of came, uh, that, well, I guess that you realized through pickup that led to you doing all these other things? Biggest realizations? Hmm, man, because I went through so many changes in pickup. I would say one thing was, you know, I thought I wanted to be this mega player kind of banging a whole bunch of chicks. And then I realized, like, it's it's okay to kind of, you know, hang out with one girl or, or two girls. Just you don't have to run around kind of trying to fuck everything. You know, relationships are meant to be enjoyed. So when I started letting myself kind of just enjoy one girl and just, you know, the connection we had, I was a lot happier than trying to force myself to try and be this this player guy that, you know, pickup, I think, pushes a lot of guys to be. Um, second thing is that, you know... I was putting women on a huge pedestal, so I just realized that you know women have problems too. They get anxiety. They, you know, they're saying that um, a hot girl's shit smells as bad as yours. You know, so they're just people too. They got problems and uh, their own fears. So you know, they're people too. Third thing, I was definitely treating women pretty badly because I had a very negative view 
when I started pickup, you know, there's a lot of bad pickup advice out there and, and dating advice. Um, so once I got into more stuff like Mark Manson and Norm Mr. Nice Guy, um, my views of women changed a lot and I, I started I started getting a lot more respect and giving a lot more respect, so that was good. And then again the fourth thing was, you know, getting led into just location independent entrepreneurship, how to be a happier person, how to be more confident. So yeah, I think those four things. Awesome. Yeah. I think those are all important realizations that I've had as well. I think it's almost, it's, we've talked to a lot of people on this show that have similar, I guess, histories to yourself and to, to both of us. And it seems like everyone who gets into pickup goes through a similar progression where they get obsessed with it. They go overboard. They idealize like the player lifestyle. And then most people take it back a notch after that, like, like you did. And they kind of realize that they were just doing these things to cover up for insecurities that they had. You know, they didn't feel worthy on their own. And they always needed like, they always needed to have the next woman next to them, the next woman next to them before they realize their own just value as a man that they, they don't need that. You don't need to be hooking up with girls constantly and that relationships are cool or not relationships are cool too. That it's not, there's no like, obvious you know there's no golden standard you don't need women for for that purpose so i think it's cool that you brought that up um i guess what what i'm curious since right now like talking about like mental issues like anxiety and depression are are sort of your building blocks or what you focus on in your website so i'm curious how did those things come into play through sort of the pickup and not just the pickup, but the journey you sort of just walked us through and when did they become your focus rather than maybe just something you were coping with? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so when, back when I kind of started to pick up and dating, I wasn't really aware that I was, uh, I had anxiety and depression because the way, you know, the trouble with mental health issues is that, you know, the person who's suffering from them does not know any reality except their own. So someone who, say, constantly worries doesn't know that you don't have to constantly worry unless they talk to someone or they go get help or go to therapy, right? But when I, because I got into pick up to lose my virginity and then I lost it and I thought like that would make me happy because, you know, again, going through dating and pick up, you, they put sex on such a pedestal. But then I, you know, I got laid and then I just, I fell into this deep depression for a month, like really hardcore. I'm like, well... But I got this thing. Why? Why am? Why am I not happy anymore? Like I, I thought this was going to be it, and it wasn't until you know I read Mark Manson's models and then specifically Norm Mister Nice Guy, which really kind of started getting me through a lot of my internal issues. That's when I realized that I had a lot of just emotional issues and baggage that I hadn't dealt with, and I actually went to through two rounds of therapy to kind of get over a lot of it because. A lot of a lot of guys get into pick up, you know, to improve with women, which is great. But a lot of them are hurt emotionally, and then they just they don't get out of the pickup community. Uh, there's a quote from I think it's Johnny Soporno that men get into the pickup community to get validation from women. They stay in it to get validation from men because once you reach a certain point where you're you know you're getting dates and having sex, I mean, you've gotten what you want. So what's the point in staying in there? But you have all these guys on these forums comparing like lay reports and this and this and this. And it's just, it's kind of useless. But um, so once I started going through therapy and kind of digging through my really deep emotional issues, like kind of being bullied for a lot of my life and then not really being able to stand up for myself, not having the best relationships uh, with women, 
when I was growing up, like high school girlfriends and then my mom, you know, once I started getting through those deeper issues, stuff started to get better. Like once I started releasing that shame and emotional trauma, that's when things really started to, to get better. And when I started looking into more holistic advice for how to handle anxiety and like how to kind of uh, change your thinking or be mindful, that's when things really got better. So as opposed to, let's say, getting laid where I fell into depression, when I started focusing on tools that helped my anxiety, so like helped me stop worrying, helped me stop being so hard on myself, um, got me out of negative thinking faster, then I got like much happier and there was no kind of offset, no bad side effects. So that's, that's kind of how that all played out. That's interesting. And a book that actually both of us just read is The Truth by Neil Strauss. And that book, for anyone who's listening who hasn't read it, First of all, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's very much a, an engaging, exciting story, but at the same time, it gets yeah, that's to, definitely on my reading list too. Yeah, to I think you'll, list. I honestly think you'll love it because a lot of the book is aimed at getting you to think about, you're getting the reader to think about their their emotional past and how that plays a role in what they seek in relationships or what they seek in sex, and really just getting you. I don't know. I just know that for for every chapter in that book. I was just pausing for five minutes and having these sort of really emotional just reflections on my own life and my childhood. And like, as you said, going through like middle school and high school and even college and some things that that really brought up some powerful emotions inside of me that were definitely like past trauma that I hadn't dealt with. And I think it's given me a more realistic view on my motivation for doing things in the path, in the past, excuse me. And it's, it's, yeah, just really, and it's really interesting that you talk about like, this. Go ahead. Like, yeah, when when I uh, first read the game, like by Neil Strauss, it was at the beginning of pickup. You know, it was more like, oh my god, you know, Neil can say these things and he gets threesomes and this and this. I actually reread it about three or four months ago, and I picked up on different things. So it wasn't like the story was cool and seeing him bang these chicks was was fun. But what I noticed is that Neil in the book actually talks a lot about the emotional realities of each of the characters and like why they do what they do. So he actually says mystery did X and Y because, you know, he was this in his family and he didn't get love as a kid. And this is why he acts out. And he talks a lot about that. So rereading the game again, like I saw a much different perspective um, from things from an emotional standpoint, because, you know, everything that we do is motivated by emotions and, and nothing else really matters. So it was just interesting to kind of see, that uh, that perspective but yeah I, I totally know what you mean yeah no it's cool yeah so I, again i think anyone and it's even isn't honestly the book even has me contemplating whether or not i should go through like a round of therapy just to just to sort of see what comes up because the things that i've realized i'm sure could be taken like a level deeper by a good quality therapist um i guess that's another question so when you went through therapy was was the therapy i guess can you sort of like walk us through that because i think most guys even most guys that could use therapy don't even consider going through it so could you maybe just shine some light on that whole process yeah um honestly when i entered my first round of therapy i was still in the hardcore pickup days and the reason i went to therapy is because mark manson in his book said you should go to therapy um i was heavy guru worshiping at that <laughs> time and i was just like oh you know in this in this dating book it says go to it so i'm going to go to it and I remember I brought this list in. I was like, I want to do this, this, and this, and this, and I want to do this, and I don't want to talk about this, and I don't want to talk about this. And at the end of the round of therapy, the therapist was like, yeah, when you brought in that list, I was like, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do. 
because, you know, I had this quote unquote plan going in, which is a form of anxiety control. But the forms of therapy I did were like um, more emotional trauma therapy. So actually going into deeper emotions, because, you know, there's many types of therapy, but it was really digging down into like my relationships with my dad, mom, uh, being bullied, you know, feeling like I'm not good enough, shame and all that sort of stuff. And I'll, I have to admit, like it was it was not easy. It was pretty hard stuff. I was doing my master's degree at the time. And it's a good thing that. I, I was able to like take breaks when I needed to because there were some days when I would do therapy in the morning and then just the whole day was shot because I was just an emotional wreck. Um, so therapy can, it brings up like the emotional trauma and it can be really, really difficult. But I still would recommend it for almost any guy who who seems to be struggling with a few things or has a few things coming up because, yeah, I, I think I owe a great deal of my life that's been given back to me be because of therapy. And interesting. Yeah. I mean, if there's a lot of stuff that, that a lot of guys don't realize about themselves, they don't really take the time to, to really think about and, and kind of dive deep within themselves. And, you know, and, and, and even, even me and Dave, after we read that, that book, we really had to think back, like back to our childhood and back to maybe some of our emotional limits and kind of our emotional sticking points. So it's really interesting, I think, to actually go to therapy, tackle those, and something a lot of guys don't do and they should do. And kind of go in, I guess, without a plan is probably the better way to go about it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, no, moving forward to your website, Lightway of Thinking, and your book, Mastery of the Mind, um, what, what motivated you to get started writing those and to get started really trying to spread your message as, as hard as you could? Yeah, so it's a funny story because I started Lightway of Thinking probably, uh, I guess, midway through when I was 24, probably like actually three months after I lost my virginity. And I was just doing it because I would explain things to people, different topics, and they said, oh, you know, you have this this really cool way of explaining things and it makes it really easy to understand. I'm like, really? Because I, I always liked writing reports because my background is engineering, but I never really wrote like blog posts and stuff like that but I just started writing and it was for fun like it was there was no business behind it and I guess it was probably September of 20 I guess 2014 when I started trying to think of like maybe turning it into a business and it's evolved over the years it's evolved in design and and the kind of the direction but my my view is that um, in society today, there's a lot of push for people to be medicated. Like the, the stats I have in my book are that it's a report that in 2014, 185 million people were suffering from anxiety or depression, sorry, and 334 million from anxiety. And that's just people who report that they have it. A lot of people are ashamed to admit they suffer from it or actually aren't aware. And you know, there's tons and tons of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication being pumped out. And, you know, in society today, we have like um, more sexual freedom, more social freedom. We're able to travel more. And yet anxiety keeps rising. And the same like, you know, our average income keeps rising, but the numbers are, aren't matching up. Something's wrong here. So what I realized from kind of going through therapy and stuff is that, you know, 
it's more about learning the proper tools, habits, and mindsets to deal with this stuff. And that's actually what the medication is supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is take this medication and pursue therapy aggressively so you can rewire your brain almost. And you know, some people do have things like serotonin imbalance, with which the medication fixes, and it's necessary. But really, a lot of what's necessary in your head is the habits and tools. So for example, someone who constantly worries uh, and doesn't know how to deal with it, you know, that's, that's, that's terrible. It's, it's not a good way to live. But if they learned um, things they can do instead of worrying all the time, they'd be able to kind of move forward and deal with things in a much more positive way. So my belief is that once you learn these proper tools and habits for a specific, what I call in my book, mental waste, so things like worrying or anxiety or uh, jealousy, stuff like that, once you know how to deal with these things, you become much happier and your anxiety and depression kind of alleviate over time. Um, and the other thing is that as long as you're kind of living a life that's congruent with what you really want inside, so you're, you have the job you want, you're, you're dating who you want, you're living where you want, you're going to be you know, happier as a person and you'll be able to kind of manage what's going on. Right. So I think that all that makes, it makes good sense. Like you need to have the right habits and you need to know your values and like be living up to them. But when you're working with a guy or when you're talking to someone who right now maybe is realizing that they really do have some anxiety and depression they need to deal with, like what, what's the first like actionable step someone like that should take? First actionable step. I guess I would want to know like what, what's bugging them the most because that's the thing. It's sometimes like a whole kind of horrid mess of stuff and you don't really know kind of what's, what's going on inside the person's head. I think the easiest thing to do, and it sounds so trite and, and everyone says it, is kind of look at your lifestyle habits. So for example, um, a big natural cause of depression and anxiety is if you don't exercise, you eat like shit, and you get no social time. I mean, again, this is all over everywhere. It's like you need to talk to people, you need to be eating healthy, you need to be getting exercise every day or you know, trying to get exercise every day, hardcore exercise three to four times a week. You know. Fixing those easy things, that's going to you know, help a lot. And if someone isn't doing that, those would be the things I would recommend like right off the bat because they're really easy to fix and they don't require any you know, huge emotional digging or, or habit setting or anything like that. Right, just, just tackling like the big items that everyone can benefit from. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like going with the 80-20 principle. But uh, if, someone, if people don't have that, you know, set, like, let's say they're, they're not going to the gym, they eat McDonald's, like every single meal, like, what do you expect is gonna, is gonna happen with your health and, and your mind? And you're just not going to feel good. It's true, man. Like even us over in Madrid, there's a Burger King and a McDonald's right outside of our apartment. And we go there, it, we went there a couple of times, the first week, couple weeks we were here, a couple of days in a row. And we just started feeling like absolute trash. And we're just like, we cannot keep doing this. Yeah, you have to know too what your body just. You just have to be able to listen to your body when you eat certain foods. Like, but let's not. I guess we won't get too much into diet. And something else I wanted to ask you about that that you brought up was these mental wastes. Can you talk a little bit more about like some examples of mental wastes and like what you do to like combat those? Yeah, sure. So it's just kind of how I want to name these certain things in my book, and I just call them mental waste because all these things, these things that we do, it's just a waste of our energy. It doesn't really help us. It kind of hurts us and it takes us away from focusing on what's going on in the present or just 
being able to do productive stuff. So some things like, you know, really fearing something and then just not pushing through it, uh, complaining, making excuses, getting stuck in, in churning. So just, you know, thought spirals in your head, procrastinating on stuff, beating yourself up, negative thinking, trying to guess what someone's thinking about you, all the stuff that a lot of people do. And, you know, it's natural, you know, we're human. So for example, we're going to try and guess what people think about us sometimes because we want them to like us. But if we're doing it all the time, it's just such a waste because we're not really focusing on what's going on. And the approach I took in my book and I'm taking uh, in the course is distilling these down into habits so that you can fight them and kind of, you know, uh, get over them. So, so are you example, looking at um, like are you looking at the negative mental ways like complaining or worrying about someone's thinking at you? Are you, th are you looking at those as habits? Um, yeah, that's actually, I guess that would be a good way of thinking about it. It is kind of, they are kind of like habits. I mean, I go into kind of where they might come from in your psychology and stuff, but yeah, it is kind of like negative habits and then, you know, instilling positive tools and habits and exercises that you do instead. Um, so to have an example, let's say um, everyone feels afraid and, and, you know, that's it's just like a normal emotion. The problem is, you know, a lot of us don't push through our fear and that can be really bad. So, for example, if let's say all three of us, you know, we were scared of approaching women and then we never got over that fear, that would really be uh, kind of a waste of our lives because we never get to connect with women and, and see where things went. And a lot of the advice out there is to kind of just like do it you know, Nike style, which really doesn't work for anxiety. It's like the boot camp approach. So you take a guy out and he goes out and he, he's like forced and pushed into approaching, say, 30 women. But then a few days later, he's going to feel as afraid because his, his fear is, is still there. He hasn't really gotten rid of it. And if you did some research into psychology, you'd find very simple tools and habits you can use instead. So for example, with fear, there's something called progressive desensitization, which comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. And what you do is you pick something you want to do and you try and do the simplest thing or simplest step that's related to it and you build up to something harder. So for example, let's say it's approaching a, a woman. What you start off with, if you're really socially anxious, is asking people for the time. Because someone who's socially anxious, that's still going to make them pretty nervous. But there's really low risk of rejection and not, nothing bad can really happen. Um, so he goes around and he does that, say, 20 times. Because you, you're aiming for a lot, of, a lot of repetitions to kind of get it through your head. So goes around, does that, says, oh, nothing bad happened. Great. Makes it a bit harder. So now the guy has to ask what time it is and comment on an article of clothing the person is wearing. So it's like, hey, what time is it? And it's like, oh, it's a really nice, uh, nice jacket. Where'd you get it? That sort of thing. Then step it up. So those two things plus then he asks where the nearest coffee shop is and keeps going and going. And then it's like moving on to going up to someone and saying, hey, you're cute. And then, hey, you're cute. And I want your number sort of thing. So that progressive desensitization, which can be done, say, in a few days, helps people get used to the anxiety because I think you guys know that nervousness that you feel with approaching a girl never goes away. And it's, you kind of want that because you feel those butterflies and you're excited. But if it's holding you back and you can't get used to it, then that's a big issue. 
Okay, cool. I think that's that's like a really clear example. That I think everyone can grasp. What about for something that's like not as concrete of a mental way? So like you said, like worrying what other people are thinking about you. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's take for example worrying in general because a lot of people, I think a lot of guys too, they worry about their businesses and they worry about you know their family and this and this and this. And um, you know, worrying is something I do a lot. And uh, I've actually, you know, I'm reading Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living right now. I love that book. I think it's amazing. And, you know, a simple habit you can do, and there's psychological reason why you do this, is like when you're worrying, it's because your brain doesn't know what the worst case scenario is. So it's going to project very negatively. It's going to assume that something really, really bad is going to happen. Or if you want to think about um, how someone's thinking about you, it's like you're going to assume that people are thinking the worst about you when in reality they're so busy thinking about themselves. But anyways, so what you can do with worrying is instead of trying to guess what's happening, instead of, you know, just, you know, beating yourself up and, and tearing your hair up, sit down and just define the worst case scenario. Really, like, just lay it out. Say what's going to happen. So let's stick with the approaching uh, the girl example just for now. What's the worst case that can happen? Um, let's say she... Maybe she giggles a bit and she says she has a boyfriend or maybe she walks away. That's probably the worst case that's going to happen. I mean, unless you're a total dick, maybe you'll get slapped in the face, but I really don't think that's going to happen. So, I mean, the positive upside is that you could meet your potential wife. The downside is that a girl might, you know, laugh at you a bit and walk away. And you'd feel embarrassed for a bit and then you get over it. So just defining that kind of eases your brain into things and, you know, makes you feel better. Um, another thing, let's, let's say something with business. I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe it's like you're worrying. Um, so are you talking about worrying, worrying about something in regards to business? Yeah, yeah. Like um, maybe it's like you're trying to A, B split test like a title and you're worried that if you change your book title or something, you're going to lose tons of sales and stuff is going to go wrong. Okay, so the worst case that can happen is you lose, let's say, a few days of sales. And what you do is that if you saw you were losing a lot of sales, you'd change your book title back and you could probably work right back to where you were because everything is reversible. I mean, it's really not a big deal. And the potential upside is that if you change your book title everywhere and you make a lot more sales, well, sounds like a pretty good upside to me. So it's kind of like defining these these worst case scenarios and, and actually what could happen, it cements your mind into like from imagining things and playing with reality to knowing kind of what you think would happen. Obviously, you can't predict exactly what will happen, but you can have a much better idea and that's going to calm your anxiety down and allow you to kind of progress forward. Yeah. And especially when I like how you compare them side by side, like, like changing the book title, if it goes really well, that's like the best case scenario. You can make a lot more money. And if it, you know, if it misfires and you can just change it back and you don't miss out on that much, it's not that bad a worst case scenario. Same thing when, when you're approaching a girl. You, if you approach a girl, it can be awesome. Who knows? She could be like, she could be your wife. It could be like the most amazing approach ever. You can have an amazing connection or she can kind of shrug you off and you have a few seconds of, you know, maybe a little bit of embarrassment, but that that's about it. So when you compare them side by side, it, it, a lot of times it, it kind of quells the worries and it makes it a lot more obvious which thing you should do, which choice you should make. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is, you know, when you're stuck and worrying or you don't know to do that, you're probably just going to be so obsessed with that and you 
it's hard to stop yourself and say, okay, hey, I'm doing this. This is not helpful. Let me stop and really think about this. It's really hard to do that sometimes in the moment. But the more you're able to become mindful and present with you know doing these things, the better. Um, that's kind of why like the way I've outlined or I structure kind of like how I present information in the blog and in the book is kind of like foundations of Buddhism and mindfulness because I think they're really important to be able to see what's going on in your head and then being able to kind of step out of that and then combining it with practical tools and advice um, so you can actually get through this stuff. Yeah, whenever you catch yourself in a negative or closed mental or emotional state, it's, it's like you said, it's never just as easy as like, even if you realize it, oh, I'm like, I'm doing this again. You can't, you can't just snap out of it. Like that, it doesn't work like that. And I agree with you that mindfulness and sort of just, you know, taking a step back, maybe focusing on your breath, realizing that you're not going to snap out of it and just being patient with yourself and giving yourself the space to, to ease out of it is, is the best, best case scenario. But even then it's hard to even take those steps sometimes when you're in the middle of like a really anxious mood where you're just we're constantly worrying and your mind's on overdrive. Yeah. Shameful promotion here. And no, David didn't pay me to do this or anything, but, um, in calm, cool and collecting, you know, you talk a lot about open and closed and I find myself now I take advice from that book. And one thing I love is kind of like when you catch yourself being closed or like being closed off, you know, you just relax your shoulders, realize what you're doing, just like open your chest. The, the act of actually, you know, having that body posture of being open and, you know, happy stops you from being so in your head. But again, it is sometimes pretty hard to realize that you're doing it and it takes practice and it takes time. I mean, I think a lot of problems that um, you know, as guys deal with is we want like perfection really quickly. So we want to be able to approach really well quickly. We want business to work really quickly and it doesn't work like that. And like building up these habits and doing well, it takes time, but I think it's, it's totally worth it for a much better peace of mind. Yeah. And thank you for the plug for my book, but yeah, but, no worries. <laughs> but yeah, I find that for me, it's like, it's being able to remind myself that it's not even, it could be about anything. It could be about just, I'm going to the gym and I'm like in a crazy rush to get there. And I have to realize myself to be mindful. Like, oh, I can like slow down my pace of walking. There's no need for me to like, be like trashing past people on the sidewalk, like pushing people to the curb <laughs> to, like, to get into the subway. Like I can yeah, just I'm enjoy sure, this I'm walk. Sure people in Madrid are be really excited about that. It's like, who the fuck is this guy think he is? I'm big right now. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> but like whether it's- I got, I got Jack, come on, fuck off here. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, whether it's something like that or whether it's like I'm working on a course and like like I just like I need to get this course and I need to get this done. It's like, no, I can take a step back. This will get done. Uh, like for, at least I know myself personally. I'm just I just err so much on the side of being like super aggressive and super hard on myself. And whether it's getting to the gym in 10 minutes instead of 20 minutes or whether it's like releasing this course, so making it from start to finish in one month instead of two months that a lot of times I just, I'm just an erotic mess the whole time, even if I'm being productive. And for me, that, that trade-off is not worth it. Yeah, I definitely heavily identify with that. Like, for example, today, um, like, I wanted to get, I published a new blog post, and then I planned out, like, the rest of my course, like, when I want to publish everything and uh, what wants to be done. And then I'm actually applying to try and do a TEDx talk here in Chiang Mai. And I was like, all right, I did, I published the blog post. I pretty much got most of the Chiang Mai TEDx talk stuff done. And I finished all my uh, 
my planning, but I didn't actually record the video. So I suck and I'm bad. I'm like, really? Come on. Like I can just record it tomorrow. It's not a big fucking deal. Right. And you know, you pull yourself out and you're like, wow, I still did a lot of work. Like, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I'd agree with you. And yeah, I have the same, those same tendencies. You still were like super productive and got like all these other things done. The only thing that you didn't get done was something that you probably like didn't even plan to get done that day. But because you got everything else before it done, you're like, oh, I should get this done too. And it just, there's no end to it. But that's, I guess yeah, that's it's like, like, yeah, it's like a productivity monster sort of. Yeah, there's always something else. And, and I guess this, this is like quoting myself from my, my Kung Fu Collected book, but like, I just have to remind myself like, the things are never going to be perfect. Like everything that I need to get done is never going to be done. Like everyone that every relationship that I have with friends or girlfriends or family is never going to be perfect. There's always going to be some things left to take care of and that's okay. You just have to be okay with that fact. Yeah. It's kind of like the same as uh, David data says in way of the superior man. It's like, it'll never be done. And he says, you know, do like an hour of something you love every day. Cause there's always more tasks to do. So you can, you can make your business better. You can make your relationship better. You can like mow the fucking lawn. You can do X, Y, and Z. So no matter what, there's always going to be more to do. And you can either accept that your brain's going to throw that at you and, you know, just laugh and say, well, I'm just going to do it tomorrow or something. Or you can just be a mess and, and chastise yourself, you know, it's up to you. Yeah, man, it really is. It really is about the journey that there, there's never, there's never an end. There's always more work to do. So I really, it's a really big piece too. All right, so no, I want to move towards wrapping up, but I have one more question for you on anxiety and depression. I know, like one thing that that you're not a fan of is the the overprescription of drugs by psychiatrists to people who have depression or anxiety. So I'm just curious if you give maybe three quick reasons why you don't like meds in general. Yeah. Um, first thing is they have horrible side effects. Um, in a really bad panic with anxiety, I actually went on anti-anxiety medication. I can't remember the exact name, but it was uh, part of the family of SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. It's just a class of anti-anxiety medication. And honestly, the, the first day I took it, I actually felt really, really amazing. I was just like happy and I was just like running around outside. It sounds really weird, but that's what I was doing. But then the side effects got terrible. Like I was nauseous all the time. I couldn't sleep. Um, my anxiety actually got worse. And I looked online and people said like, oh, no, you just have to kind of push through it and then it will get better. I'm like, oh, fuck that. There's, there's something wrong here. Like it's just it's not worth it. Um, the second thing is that. For some of these medications, a lot of the friends and loved ones of these people complain that, you know, these people turn into zombies because a lot of what these drugs do is that they bring all emotions to a level playing field. So it brings your anxiety and anxiety down and let's say it brings your mood up so you're not as depressed, but you can't be as happy. You can't be as energetic. So it brings you to this kind of normal state where you don't feel the ups and downs of life and I think a lot of people are afraid of the ups and downs but that that's just how life is so if you're just kind of walking around like a zombie I don't think that's that's really helpful and again like if you can't really express joy and feel joy and you just feel like kind of you know kind of like a ghost of what life is I don't know that doesn't seem very good to me either and the other thing I'd say is it's again like I mentioned like these 
prescription drugs don't seem to be helping because they're pumped out more every year and yet anxiety and depression numbers are on the rise. So obviously it's not, it's not the way things should be done. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't think all medication is bad and I think medication can be part of treating anxiety and, and depression, just not being on them permanently and not as prescribed as they are right now. There should be another part of getting over this stuff, which is proper education and, and learning lifelong habits so that, you know, you can be happier without having to pop pills because I don't know about you guys, but if I, if I am on medication, I kind of feel a bit weak and I, and I don't really like it. And I'd rather be able to just, you know, deal with things myself. I'm not saying I don't need help. I think everyone can use some help from now and then, you know, again, reading books and, and going to therapy and even coaching stuff like that or talking to friends. But if you have to rely on really crazy medication that alters your brain chemistry, you know, all the time, I, I don't know if that's helpful. I mean, I think there are some cases where you do have to be on that stuff long term. And, you know, if you work with a doctor and it really seems like that's the case, then it is what it is. But I think in most cases, the, the stuff is really overprescribed. And I think it's, it's hurting a lot of people instead of helping them. Yeah, man, I can definitely relate to that. When I was a, when I was a kid, I got prescribed Zoloft when I was in like middle school, and by some psychiatrist who I really don't think he knew what the hell he was doing. And as soon and Zol Zoloft is an antidepressant uh, uh, medication. And as soon as I realized how kind of fucked up it was, I just got off of it immediately. Never never been on anything like that since. Although I do take some medications for ADHD, but it's a little bit different. I'm trying, I'm trying to cut those out as well, but. All right, moving towards wrapping up now. It's it's time for the final four. Four questions, 60 seconds. You ready to go? All right, let's do it. All right, favorite recent movie? Favorite recent movie? Hmm. Actually, you know what? Uh, I haven't really watched it yet, but I'm just really looking forward to Spectre, James Bond. Like That's all that's on my mind right now, so that's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that gets released tomorrow here. We're definitely going to go see that this weekend. All right, next question. One person to have dinner with, dead or alive? Honestly, again, I talked about guru worship, but it has to be Mark Manson. He's influenced a lot of my writing. He's influenced a lot of my life, and he's really changed my relationships with women. So I'd like to sit him down and, and just say thank you and then just have a chat with him. Nice. I actually talked with him in Bangkok a year ago. He's, he's a man. Um, all right, favorite second date idea? Favorite, what was that you cut out? Favorite second date idea. Second date? Yeah. Mm, oh, man. Honestly, for me these days, I just kind of enjoy hanging out with a chick at home and like watching a movie and just chilling out. I'm not really high key on stuff. You know, sometimes I want to go see something out in the city, but I just kind of now enjoy slowing down and just, you know, enjoying the energy with a chick. Netflix and chill. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. What's your morning routine? Oh, man. Yeah, I have a very specific morning routine. So I'm usually up at 7. I meditate for 10 minutes right away. I list five things I'm grateful for. Drink two glasses of water, get hydrated. Um, go eat breakfast, come back, take a bunch of supplements, so like fish oil, vitamin C, and stuff like that. Put on usually something inspirational, so like some entrepreneurship speeches, or some really good music I like, you know, I get dressed, uh, make my bed, do some quick exercises, and then I uh, put on an actual motivational speech, so something that's got like a lot of heavy music, you know, 
uh, something like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Les Brown, something like that gets me really pumped up, do some uh, power poses, kind of open my chest and my arms, and then I go right to writing and, and reading both for half an hour and just every time I do all that all the way through, I just feel like a fucking boss at the end. Damn, how long does that take you? Including the writing and reading, that entire thing is three hours. Wow, and you do that every morning? Every morning. Impressive, dude. I have a morning routine I do every morning, but it probably takes me 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like including, you know, uh, I count the writing and reading as work, and, you know, I take my time during the mat, so eating breakfast slowly, but the entire thing is kind of like 7 to 10, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Nice. Sounds like a great way to start the day. All right, so final question. What's the best way for anyone listening to the podcast to follow you and get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can check out uh, my blog, Light Way of Thinking, so lightwayofthinking.com. And if you're interested in checking out the, uh, the course that's based on the best-selling book, Mastery of the Mind, I've got the website up. So you go to masteryofthemind.net, all one word. And uh, if you check it out, if you like what's there, um, you can actually go on the course website and enter the coupon code BEASTLYGENTLEMAN, all capitals, all one word, and uh, you can get 25% off the course uh, if you want to check it out. If not, hey, you know, stick around the blog, read some posts, and uh, you know, feel free to drop me a line on the contact page if you got uh, any questions or uh, any comments about the blog. I'd love to hear it. Awesome. We'll link to your website and to Mastery of the Mind in the show notes so it's easy for anyone to find. Um, great show, dude. It was awesome having you on. Yeah, man. It's finally good to uh, sit down with you. Uh, hope everything's good in Madrid and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what's going on. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to grab your free downloads over at BeastlyGentleman.com. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you like the show. Thanks for listening. Stay beastly.